What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and The Crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. Appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspectives. Be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today, of course, is your yours truly, B Cox, and with me I have the crew comprised of these fine gentlemen here with me today. To my left, we have my boy, cousin Damo. To my right, we have my man, DT Dave, and right in front of me, we have my boy Jay, J-O. As always, we are here to give you our perspective on the classics. Pleased to have all you gentlemen join me as we chop it up over some classic music. And we always take you back in time to go into the classic music that shaped our lives. So, <laughs> so without further ado, gentlemen, we're going to get to a very special one, one that I think is a very special place in all of our hearts. It's um, the debut album of the two dope boys in the Cadillac, Outcast. Southern player is the Cadillac Music debut album of the cast coming out in 1994. So here's the uh, the particulars on Outcast, released April 26, 1994, on LaFace Records, the mm. now extinct LaFace Records, but the classic LaFace Records of so many different acts of the early and mid 90s. Um, Truly one of our great urban music labels of our time. The Motown of the South? Yeah, absolutely. Put in work. Work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um runtime of sixty-four minutes and thirty-three mm-hmm. seconds. Recorded at, of course, the famous dungeon, nineteen oh seven Lakewood Terrace, Southeast, <laughs> Atlanta, Georgia, as stated by the um the heads of the dungeons, organized North Productions. Also recorded at Boss Town Studios, now called Stanconia Studios, is now Outcast Studios and Doppler Studios as well in Atlanta, as well as being mixed in a lot of different other studios. Executive producers by Kenneth Babyface Edmonds and, of course, Antonio L.A. Reed. Baltimore Zone. Mm. All songs produced by the classic and legendary Organized Noise Productions, comprised of Rico Wade, Ray Murray, and Sleepy Brown. Of course, uh, a lot of contributions by a lot of different musicians during this project, highlighting in particular Preston Crump on the bass, Mark Jefferson on guitar and bass, Jeff Sparks, Kenneth Wright, Craig Love, contributions by Mr. DJ, who was outcast DJ for quite some, for I think even to this day. Artist features you already know, the Dungeon Family, mm-hmm. Goody Mob, Big Rube, Joy, uh, you name it, they were on this album because as, as looking at the documentary for the organized noise or the organized noise this was everybody's first album when it came to dungeon family this is where they put their all into so everybody was on it outcast southern playlistic as we say for short guys um i, I think this this all holds a special pl- place in our heart because um of where we were at that particular time this is all, uh, april of 1994 i'll go around the room to sort of see where you were during that particular time 
and, and I'll start with you, Dave, April 1994, when you first heard the album, where you were, <laughs> and then your first reactions when you heard the album uh, that long ago. This is 25 years ago. Mm. My thing way. was, I didn't even hear the album when it came out back then. Of course, my mom wasn't trying to hear that. <laughs> that rap <laughs> music? <laughs> exactly. You trying to my end that you ain't around here? My mom wasn't having that. Yeah. But I, I listened to it a little later on in life, and... As uh, we got ready, prepared for this show, I had a good time just reminiscing about how I felt when I first heard it, and all the feels just came back. Especially with the fact that I've now been to Atlanta a few times, it's right. just like it all—it all just hits you. It's just like, man, this album's classic. So, I look forward to talking about this album today. Yeah, Jay, April '94, when it first came out, where were you? And um, your first reaction when you first heard it, and then your lasting reaction as you listened to it, getting ready to review it this week. Okay, so uh, April '94, so I think it was like what twelve, one thirteen. I was, I was like junior high school, Jefferson Southwest DC. So like, you gotta remember, '94 was like, at that point I didn't, and I guess like before, like I didn't really hear the album when it first came out. I listened to it later because that was like when tapes. Yeah, like <laughs> and, uh, that was like <laughs> that's like when the, that's when the G Funk era was running everything. Like Death Row, yeah, so like. Yeah. So, like and it's kind of funny, like, you know, again, like, DC, like, you no know, Go-Go being the scene, like, when they, they actually did this song, Ain't No Thing, which is one of my favorite songs off the album. So, like, my mother heard me, like, listen to that, and then, like, actual Outkast train. By the time I was already, like, deep in, like, death row culture, West Coast hip-hop, like, it was kind of a step back. She's like, okay, if you, if, if, you know what I'm saying, I could listen to death row and I'd be out there wild and acting a fool, like, Outkast ain't, you know what I'm saying, it's not that bad. So, like, when I did listen to it later on, it was just... It offered me a new flavor as far as, like, you know, because pretty much it was, like, East Coast and West Coast. At that point, like I said, the West Coast was running things, and the East Coast was finally starting to get their foot back in the game because, let's be real, they kind of fell off at that point. They did. Um, yep. So to hear the South really coming out, like, expressing, like, that level of lyricism that Outkast offered then and still offers now, it was a, it's like, whoa, like, you know, the South really do got something to say. Like, they said that the Source like Awards. Like, they said that the Source Awards. South got something to say. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's honestly, like, it really helped to solidify the South because, I mean, you had, like, you had other artists out of, if we could just keep it in Atlanta, like, and I don't even know if you guys know, but, like, Smurf and Kilo. Like, Smurf, Kilo, you know what I'm PA, like, Parental Advisory. Right, right. So you had, like, those artists and then me aside from that, crisscross, like, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So you, really didn't, <laughs> so you really didn't have, like, anything, like, really represent Atlanta, at least to, like, that street level, that outcast, that everyday life level. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just looking back and just, just, like, really taking everything in, it was like, okay, wow, like, they really... Are like the pioneers of everything. I mean, there's like as far as the South the whole okay, yeah, you had Ghetto Boys, you had the Miami bass shaking music, you know what I'm saying? Like and like even Atlanta like had that like bass music. I mean, obviously Miami like kinda ran ran because like Luca Tula crew ain't nobody touching them as far as like exactly. pop shaking. Yep. But like Yeah, the bass music, exactly. Miami bass. Yeah, so like, you know, when Outcast dropped and everything like that, it just really solidified like, look, the South has artists, they have lyricists, they will Rap circles around a good amount of people in New York or LA or wherever. So, you know what I mean. So like, I mean, I would really put even like then and now, I would put them up against. Oh, I've been here all night, like name people that I know they could rap circles around. So, but yeah, I mean, it's just like really solidified. Like I was really there for greatness. I mean, I just think 1994 as a whole. Like I'm just so grateful. Like you know, I was uh, there to experience boy. it and everything that was going on. Like even at that young age. So mm-hmm. that was just the last impression I had on me. Because like when I think about the golden years, I just think like. Like half my playlist is like stuff from '94 because it was yeah. just like that fire from like everywhere. So absolutely, yeah. So that's, I, that's that's like my whole uh, yeah. impression of it. Impression of it. So. 
Indeed. Damo, your first reaction when the uh, 94, when you first well, when you first listened to it, may have not been when it first came out, and then your lasting reaction as you listened to it leading up to the review of this album? 94, I was a baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> April 94, I can tell you that I heard this because I was home by myself because I was recovering from getting hit by a car. Oh, I didn't hear the CD. I didn't hear the, CD, the album until that summer when I got around one of my older cousins. And he put me on to listen. I was down in North Carolina. He put me on to listening to Southern music, Crucial Conflict. Hey, in the middle of the bar. Da, 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 da. So <laughs> I was like, oh. That is what I don't mess with. So I was like, oh, I was like, what in the world is this? <laughs> so I was like, all right. And then he put this on and he just started vibing. And I didn't even know, yeah. I was like, okay. That was really, this was probably more my introduction to rap this album at 11. Understood. Yeah. No, considering that True. time. Well, for me, but I was. I also had one question from listening to this album made me think if we would have never had them, would we have Thugger, Future? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is really the ATL door <laughs> opening right here. And that's that's the point that I want to make a little bit later on. If, Absolutely. If, if you want to put Young Thug on Outcast, I mean, like. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just talking about the eight, the, the Atlanta. Atlanta, the, yeah. Yeah, the sound, yeah. I'm I got not you. talking about him being yeah. like them. Yeah, well, no. yeah, yeah, he yeah, is yeah. weird like them. So yeah, no, nah, I understand. Hey. The sort of my first reaction when I heard it, and I heard it when it when around the time when it came out that summer, I was finishing elementary school, going into middle school, so I'm really starting to get into music. I'd heard a lot of different other classic albums in 1994, as we talk about. Mm -hmm. To me, when it comes to all time years in, in hip hop, that's got to be up there within the top two or three years yeah. of of classic music ever coming out. But my first reaction that it was different. It was unlike anything that I'd ever heard before. This was, to me, the first project truly from this part of the South that stood out as sort of like being legitimately Southern. Like you had you had Ghetto Boys sort of do, do their thing and Ghetto Boys had a certain feel to it. You know, it was from Houston. You had the, as you said, Luke and Luke and Two Live Crew, the Miami bass music. But this was... When we talk about the dirty South, like hey, the dirty the term the dirty South getting invented during around this time right. with them and Goody Mob, this would means the first project truly from the South that stood out as a Southern project. And it was different from a lot of the different early offerings from Atlanta. Like you talked about Criss Cross and, mm -hmm. and Kilo and Parental Advisory. This was um very unique, different from Ghetto Boys and from Scarface for uh, um, early albums. It was just different in the fact that you had two guys and it was a, it was a group. They were both lyrically very talented. And then the production to me was really what and the creativity was what made this stand out. It was funky, you know, and it was True. because the, the different elements that they used and it was organized noise producing and it was the musicians that they used in order to be able to make this thing work, you know, where. You know, it made you. It sounded like they were using samples to produce these uh, records, but they weren't. These were this were live instruments that were being played. That were being, in, uh, you know, uh, were being implemented into the production with the beats that were being made. You had these. Uh, you had basically organized noise and these musicians coming together to make this thing happen. Mm -hmm. My lasting reaction is what it's always been to me. I think this is strictly a tribute to Atlanta, and a tribute to how life in the South was at that time in the mid 1990s. To me, I just say this sparked the Southern movement in hip hop. Uh, people may may have some arguments. Of course, yeah, Ghetto Boys were out there. They were a successful act. Luke and and uh, 
Two Live Crew were successful and other Miami artists were successful. And there were artists that came out of Atlanta before Outkast and Organized Noise came along. But this was the first time that the rest of the country stood up and said, oh, okay. They spitting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know? And even while there were detractors in New York, like even I read famously that Russell Simmons, when he first heard the album, just thought trash. it he thought it was trash and wrote it off as just being some country bumpkins and right. you know it wasn't the New York quality of hip hop being New York's the birthplace. But after a while he gave it its props, seeing where it stood after its legacy has cemented itself after some time. It started the leap for Atlanta on the scene because after this, mm. you have the rest of the Dungeon family starting to come out. You see a lot of different other acts from Atlanta start to emerge as a result of this. Mm -hmm. And acts like Ludacris and acts like T.I. and eventually to follow acts like Jeezy and people who, of course, is a fan, uh, Rico Wade's cousin, Future. Future. Becoming, mm -hmm. you know, this, that, and, well, and, 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 family yeah, too, and, 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 it just led to pretty much a uh, breaking of the dam while we saw falling of the, of the Berlin Wall moment. That, that's what it sounds like. That's what it was for me. We talk about the themes of this album. To me, we talked about his life in Atlanta. And this is the first time now all of us, we've been to Atlanta at some point in time. So it makes a lot of sense to us. You know, I hadn't right. been until after this album, but a lot of it made sense to me, even now, as they call it, gentrified Atlanta, because, yeah. you know, I have a, a, a particular homeboy and I'll shout him out. My shout out to my boy, Ralph, Ralph Cooper, local comedian. And of course, a uh, producer extraordinaire. He was my producer at uh, XM, the 169, The Power. He is a graduate of the house, Morehouse. And, uh, he was in Atlanta during the time that these albums came out, that when Atlanta really started to make a name for itself. And that was really what he explained was the true Atlanta. And now this Atlanta that you see now is sort of like the way that people look at D.C. Mm -hmm. nowadays. That's true. That it's, it's changed That's so true. much. And the soul of Atlanta has sort of left as it's become a transplant city and things have sort of, you know, yeah, and the nail in the coffin with that was they tried to make Freaknik family friendly. Exactly. But you know it ain't going to be like ah, the raw Freaknik we know because we got course. these phones right here that I'm recording y'all on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, 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 so we, we sort of talk about like life in Atlanta and you see that in the, the songs and the slang and stuff that they use on the albums that Big Boy and Andre use. You see it you know, and the skits that they use, club donkey ass, flim flam, like, hey, come on, man, I got these chains right for these white <laughs> folks out Buckhead, man, for $80. $80 man. <laughs> you know, it's country living. It talks about, to me, poverty and class warfare. You know, the differences between, um, you know, the rich and poor, which they dealt with Atlanta more so than anything else. And, you know, for those of us who have been in the South, that's mm. much more of a, uh, of a uh, you know, highlighted the, between the, the have and the have nots in the South much more than I think a lot of other parts of the country. Yeah, and it was talking about the beginning of the gentrification of Atlanta and the development of Atlanta. And you talk about this is 1994. So in 94, they had just had the Super Bowl in Atlanta. And the brand at that point was the brand new Georgia Dome. And then in two years later, they're getting ready to have the Olympics right. mm -hmm. in Atlanta, which really spurred the development of the city overall as a major city, yeah. you know, which whenever we know this development in the city, as we call it, the people like people call it gentrification. It is gentrification. Uh, certain, you know, people sort of get pushed out to the to the fringes yep. mm -hmm. because, you know, development has no need for poor, poor people. It doesn't, you know. Um, so a lot of that was talked about. Quotable, it. quotable. buy the and land cheap and just, you know, what I'm saying, yeah. like and property values. Yeah, rap. and the rap mm -hmm. exactly. And now, and the really the biggest theme is it, man. Like you said, Andre said at the Source Awards when they won Best New Act, South the South got something South. to say. Sure enough, they did. And um, that's important. I think it was, it, you know, until then nobody really. I think I think industry wise 
Atlanta with really an afterthought other than the fact of novelty acts. And, you know, the ones who were, were the legendary Atlanta rappers have sort of not made it big enough to where they could be mainstream. Those are the themes there in the album. I mean, just if you anybody wanted to talk about the themes that were present in the album and what, what stood out to you more so than anything else. I think it's, it, uh, well, the more I listen to it, the more they sounded, <coughs> they sounded like they started the woke movement when you start listening to somebody like, like, hold on, they talking about stuff that's relevant now. Like right. the, get up the and get out. There's no good for you and mm-hmm. watch out for this. Well, I said, hold on. He wasn't messing with Erica Badu in 94. <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it was like, I said, damn, we forget that CeeLo used to rap. That became a, yeah. became a pop star. That's it. And <laughs> I have an interesting point to make about that very later on, man, because we know the Dungeon family was very involved in yeah. making this album. And to me, let's talk, for me, the cultural impact of what this did, you know, what this is, it launched the careers and directly and indirectly of so many other people in the music industry as we just talked about it. Now, this this might not be the best album in their catalog. It may not even be the best album in Southern hip-hop history. But to me personally, but to me, but to me, I don't think there's a, there is a more important album in Southern hip-hop history than this album. Across I, the I board. Agree. I agree. Across the board. I don't think there's a more important album in Southern hip-hop history other than this one. I think that without this one, uh, a lot of things don't happen. And without this one, we don't find out, I don't think necessarily about Goody Mob. We don't, we, 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 we're now, we, we find out, uh, I, I think eventually because of the talent about organized noise, uh, because of the fact that they were able to get a chance and, um, and, and for L.A., as we t- saw in the documentary, for L.A. to sort of give them a chance. And to see how widely it paid off, not just for them as a crew, but for the label and for the industry was big. So so we'll get into the song reviews. This is what's really important. That's why you're listening. We're going to go by through the highlights. There's no shortage of highlights on this album. And then we're going to go. We'll start with Dave, your high points and highlights, your song, high high points. uh, What what stood out to you? And try to keep it to a few because I know there's a lot. <laughs> oh damn, man! For real, you only gonna give me three? Um, no, shoot. not three. I said keep it to uh, a few. Not it's not three. A few. Ain't no thing. One of my favorites, Southern Playlistic. I would probably say Funky Ride. I'm gonna talk about that later. Mm-hmm. And uh, multi-purpose track, right? Crumbling there. Herb. <laughs> Crumbling Herb. That is my. That is one of my favorite. One of my favorite tracks of all time. Yeah. Crumbling Herb. I, it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, if you've listened to this album, of course, you've you crumbled more than a few herbs to this joint. But yeah. If that's your thing. If that's your thing, absolutely. If that's what you do, if that's what you do, then I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure you've crumbled a few herbs to this joint. But, you know, uh, that's, that's, you know, it's just, it's just so many. Yeah. So many uh, great, great tracks. But those are my three or four favorites. Jay, your favorites, your highlights? Okay, um, so I guess we're probably, probably like unanimous here with Ain't No Thing because mm-hmm. the joint just cranks. I mean, makes you feel, it makes you feel right. good. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, even like him, like Northeast Groove was like, you know, adapt that into one of their shows. It just like made it crank that much harder for me. Oh, yeah. So um, put that up there. And again, these aren't, these aren't in any particular order. So um, get up, get out, get something. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like. I think every young person should hear that track. Yeah, absolutely. Every young person that ain't got no job. That really needs some motivation, I think. It ain't really even about the job. It's about just, I, I, I mean, just getting up, really you know, getting up. your potential. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think every young person needs to hear that track. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Between that and watching the skit on YouTube, my roommate pay all the bills. I don't know if you've seen that one, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. those two things will motivate you. But um, yeah. yeah, it's funny with um, Get Up, Get Out. Like Back then, I just liked it because the beat was mm-hmm. nice and it just flowed, but then you start 
get no paying attention to the lyrics. Like, I mean, it was just like a solid track and motivation. I mean, it, I, it's like one of my motivational drains now, like just like making moves and everything. Um, I know you're going to talk about this in a minute, but yeah, Funky Ride. Um, Mm-hmm. Like say, which is a multi-purpose track. Multi-purpose I, I, track, absolutely. I'm, I'm, sure we'll yes. get to, I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. But, um, um, Crumbling Herb, and if I'm not mistaken, it was Deep, as, uh, yeah. the track Deep as deep well. Too. Yeah, I like how that started. And then, like, I guess, like, Players Ball, I don't want to say it was a filler, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, because it was out, it was out, it was out before like the album. Because that joint dropped like ninety three. It, it, it was a Christmas track, yeah. Christmas track, Christmas famously track. a Christmas right. track. I mean, yeah. So that, so that one, and then like the little remix they did at the end of the Players Ball joint, Players Ball reprise. So, yeah, that was sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, so I mean, I guess so, yeah, those be my highlights of the album. Indeed, Damo. Yeah. Ah, I love this show. I'm gonna say, I love ain't no thing. Of course, like everybody else, I love Players Ball. That's one of my. Funky ride. I'm. I probably listen to that. I probably hit. I hit reback. I hit the back button on that like two times, three times. I was, I was like, hold on, I gotta hit that one more time. Love funky ride. I love the album. I yeah. love. I love CeeLo spitting on it. I'm like, yeah. that's what I was saying. I like. I, I was like, dang, I forgot CeeLo. He gave it to me real quick. Mm-hmm. I think it's been so long. I heard him spit that I forgot that he could. I was mm-hmm. like. Like okay, ninety four was a long time yeah. ago. So long yeah. Time. yeah, long time ago, way back in time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do then what I do now, man. Mm-hmm. But uh, get up and get out, like you said. You know that's something that everybody needs to hear. I wish I would have listened to it more in depth back then, because my butt would have definitely been in every class back then, mm-hmm. <laughs> or thinking of a master plan back then even more than now. Yeah, but hey. It's life. No, I understand. To me, my highlights, as far as what my highlights are, ain't no thing. I go back to the documentary, listening to Joy talk about her hearing ain't no thing. She said that she was in an adjoining studio in Boston. What she heard was uh, heard the, the, the track going, the instrumental just playing in the background. Right. The bass line. And then that ding ding, yeah, you know. And she said when she sat there listening to it, she was like, the loop just kept playing over and over again. And she just kept thinking to herself, this is some of the baddest shit I ever heard before in my life. Like this, like what, the, like what is this shit? You know. So to me, that that was a great by track three that grabs you, and um, that was a high point. The title track, Southern Plastic itself, I love the way that both Dre and Big Boy both both uh, spit on that. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. That was a highlight to me. Players Ball, of course, that being their first single, the highest charting single, that was a Christmas track. Right. And it was a tr- Christmas track they didn't even want to do, and it turned out to be one of the biggest hits of their career. That um, was on a, a very on a LaFace. That was on the LaFace, LaFace Christmas, Christmas album, album, exactly. And it was <laughs> that was their one shot. To get a shot on the face to be signed as a as an act, and that turned out to be one of the biggest hits. And this is probably that's probably the reason why this album got made in the first place, you know, because LA wanted that shot, and that's the shot that they got, and they they knocked it out of the park. Of course, Funky Ride, we across the board on that. <laughs> as Jason said, it's a multi-purpose track, many yep. ride, many pur- many purposes. Crumbling herb, and then of course, last but not least, get up and get out. And like you said, to, that song makes so much sense to me now, mm-hmm. more now than it did then. Mm-hmm. And I have to point to the highlights of this: of CeeLo and his verse, and the first, the first two, the first uh, two bars just gives it to you. Mm-hmm. I don't recall 
ever graduating at all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. I feel I'm just a disappointment to y'all. And those two lines right there. Resonates with so many people. Right. Because I think a lot of us feel, our generation feels that way a lot. Mm-hmm. With these struggles that we've gone through the um, and, and the things that we've had to deal with, how things have changed for our generation, how things are so different than our parents' generation, and even our probably our older brothers and sisters as well. Mm-hmm. There's so many of us feel this way. Man, what's up with all these questions? You act as though you know something I don't. Do you have any suggestions? Because <laughs> every job I get is cruel and demeaning. Sick of taking trash out and toilet bowl cleaning. cleaning. Mm. But I'm also sick and tired of struggling. I never thought I, I never ever thought I had to resort to drug smuggling. <laughs> what's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You know, it's like you, can like, you can remember them, them words. Uh, right. like I know the Lord ain't brought me this far so he could drop me off here that I make myself clear. It's like he was kind of like talking to, to himself in that first too. So that's but he like was I'm talking to, to talk, be the man I supposed right, to be. Right, exactly. It was what? like he was it was sort of like he he was talking to himself, but he was talking to us too. Yeah. He was talking to us too. Those are the highlights there. I mean, I, I love Love Deep as well. Um Call of the Wild is another one that I actually yeah. lo- like as well, man. Um but there's a lot of different things on this track, you know, in this album that I love because of the way that it was it was structured and Way um, go. It is. So Fuego. So we'll talk about your favorite song then and then and now if that has changed. Um, so we'll start with you, Damo. Your favorite song then and now, has it changed? And if it has, what was it then and what is it now? Of course, it's Get Out and Get Something because we didn't have the tools to get some music like they do now. Mm-hmm. So we had to really verify on what the radio was giving us. So that song was on the radio that that's the one I heard. I was like, oh, okay. And it really, it wasn't the lyrics. I'm 11, so I'm like, oh, okay, I got two-step to this. Mm-hmm. And they right. said, all yeah, that, right. That beat just took you over. And, mm-hmm. and I can understand, you know, my mother telling me to get my butt up and go to school. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to get out and get these grades. If I would have known what it really meant then, yeah. But back then, that that was that song. And now it's, since I had a Cadillac, you know, it's Funky Ride. <laughs> so the playlistic. Yeah, yeah. You know, those two are my, f- one, one, one number one and one A now. Indeed. Yeah, so and, and Big Gip had a thing during his verse. And Crooked Ass Jackson got the whole country. Nigga, that my city is the big lick for 96. Referencing the Olympics. Coming to their city, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's big things around people in Atlanta when you talk to them about the Olympics and the, the people who are of age during that time about, damn, y'all bringing the Olympics here, but we got, you know, it's niggas in Bankhead and, and at Collar Park and East Point. You know, that that struggling and we sitting here building all this shit for the Olympics. And, you know, it's it, so it's just it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that man during get up and get out. But mm-hmm. but 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 Jay, your um favorite song then and now, if it's changed, what was it then and what is it now? Gotcha. And I will say just before I say that, like there's like a night and day difference between like Bankhead and Buckhead. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Young, like, <laughs> my cousin took me around there. I went around like um, Bankhead, SWAT. <laughs> yeah, made the, I don't want to say made a mistake, but like I'm not going to the, into the deck by myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so going to yeah. East Point Mall. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's it's real down there. Like five points, all that. 
Yeah, you know? and, and to speak a little bit about, and I don't mean to interrupt, but to speak about, this is the first album you start hearing about in depth. You hear about Atlanta. You hear about the hoods in Atlanta. You hear about SWAT. You hear about Decatur, East Point, College Park. All these things that are now household names. Listen listening to, to music. Yeah. This is the first time you heard this being represented in music. So it's right. interesting now. We we talk about this. People talk about East Point and College Park and SWAT, you know, Camerton Road and all these different other hoods in, in, in Atlanta. <laughs> And College now Park that or is it College Park? It's College Park, College Park. in Atlanta. College Anybody Park. from Atlanta will tell you it's College Park. <laughs> yeah. yeah, College Park is down. College Park <laughs> is in Maryland down Route 1. That's College Park. Down. College Park is in Atlanta. That is College Park. Exactly. College Park is in Atlanta, home of University of Maryland. College Park is in Atlanta, um, or outside of Atlanta. But not nah, Jay, go ahead. I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt oh. you. That's all good. But um, as far as like my favorites... Man, I don't think it's really changed much. I mean, yeah, Funky Riders, like, because we talking about like '94. I mean, I, like, you know, what I'm saying yeah. I wasn't participating in the you purposes know. that song mm. could have been meant for mm. back yeah. in '94, twelve going on thirteen. So, mm-hmm. um, that's probably one that's like that wasn't my favorite then, but is crept up to my favorites now. But then, like, ain't no thing. Get up, get out, get something. I mean, it became more of a favorite with "Get Up, Get Out, Get Something" because of the like paying attention more to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I will say, I mean, I appreciated something playlistic, the actual title track and what it was. I mean, I saw the video first, like, because I don't really think I saw, like, because I saw the video on Rap City. It was that or your MTV Raps, one of those two. So mm-hmm. to see them all, like, lounging and, like, okay, oh, that's how they get down in Atlanta, you in know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, just, like, the vibe it had and everything like that. Because, I mean, I had been down there before, but I was, like, young. Like, the first time I'd been there, I was, like, pretty young. I was, like, nine or ten or something like that. So I didn't see, like, how people partied and all like that. I'm like, oh, that's how they get down. Like, because mm-hmm. before I think, okay, everybody just, like, Southern country, like, didn't really think they rocked out like that. So when I saw that video, I was like, okay, you know what I'm saying? They got flavor down there and everything Absolutely. like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. yes, that's that's what I took away from it. And like, Dave, your your uh, favorite song <clears throat> then and now has that changed? And if it has, what was it then and what is it now? The title track was my favorite back then. Okay, um, it was just again just just made you feel good. Mm-hmm. Between those that, guitar between, legs, man. It, between that one and um, ain't no thing. Again, if you know, you you can't listen to Ain't No Thing and not smile. It just mm-hmm. makes you feel that good. Now is I'm a thirty seven year old man, crumbling herb and uh, <laughs> uh it's consensus, it's yeah, funky yeah, ride. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, funky, funky ride. ride. It's just Let me take you on a it, funky <laughs> ride. It's it's it's, 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 just, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Yeah, they're yeah. like I think what was oh, that that guitar solo towards the yeah. end. Yeah, bro. That was fire. So I think I think that guitar solo I haven't so I haven't found out exactly who that um who that that guitar solo was. I looked it up too, I couldn't find I was like, yo, so I know in the personnel the in the person for the actual uh, album itself. Guitar work was done by Craig Love. It was also done by Edward Stroud. Um, Preston Crump and Mark Jefferson more so did bass work. You had a lot of bass guitar being worked by Preston, by, of course, Preston Crump and Mark Jefferson, two legendary bass players. But that, that guitar solo at the end kind of, kind of, yeah, d- d- set it off. Solid. Absolutely. J made it the truth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I think what makes this album so great is the live instrumentation, which, which, took it back to an era of music where you were actually composing music and music had had levels and built like in the 70s, you know, because all these kids were kids for the 70s going into the 80s when they were uh, adults into the 90s or young adults into the 90s. Dave, did you have any more like that as far as your favorite that, song? Then? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, but, you know, the whole album's a masterpiece, but you mm-hmm. know, those four songs uh, stand out the most. Indeed. So... 
my favorite song then was Players Ball. Um, that and also Southern Playistic, but my favorite song now is Get Up and Get Out. And um, it's because of the fact of how many different mediums it's been used in. Like, I remember the movie ATL with, with T.I. Mm-hmm. That, that was uh, in a particular time when he was trying to make it come up. And they were at a time in their lives where they had to make something of themselves. And that song speaks to so much, I think, of our generation and what it is that we go through. That the struggle that it is to sort of, you know, be able to make something of yourselves. But the struggle it is to be able to do so even while you're trying your hardest at times. And it means a lot more to us as grown men now yes. than it did back then. And I think that's why it's my favorite track now. So there we are. So moving on to now, songs that you slept on then that you appreciate a lot more now. I think we all know, say, get up and get up and get out. But besides that, any other tracks that you appreciate more now that you didn't then? So I'll, I'll start with you, Dave. Funky Ride. Okay. Funky Ride. Yeah, f- funky Ride. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's hands down, Funky Ride. So, so let's talk about now since we're on the topic of Funky Ride. So we said it's a multi-purpose track. So I'd at least count at least three purposes you can have for Funky Ride. At least three. Uh, I'm at about three as well. I'm yeah, at about three. three. Yeah, you can three. chill to it. You can drink to you it. You can drink or slash smoke to it or both. Or you could or you can smash to it. You can engage in exactly. adult physical activity. Yeah, because you know let's all know. We all know the, the track at. <laughs> you can set the mood. Like, oh, hey. <laughs> like 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 we all know the track at the end when they're um <laughs> when you hear that the, the girl in, going through it having her you know her moment having her moment. You know what I'm saying? That's what we all we all know and understand that, mm. man. So we, we can we can oh, feel that. So it's like those it's a multi purpose track. So we'll kind of go through. We went through some quotable lyrics, man. If if you have any quotable lyrics, we'll put them out there. I mentioned CeeLo's. To me, it's CeeLo's whole first verse of yes. that get up and get out is is a quotable because there's so many different things that he said. And then of course Dre's verse on that as well um stood out to me. You know, the fact that he was saying Kept missing the point that she tried to poke me with the doper that I get, the more I'm feeling broken shit. But that don't matter though, cause I'm a O U T cast. So get up off your ass. There's a lot of different other quotable real lyrics. I don't know if anybody else has any other yeah, different like ones they want to point he out too. This, he took a. He, I know he, it seemed like he was trying to push it that they ain't soft, cause it's like two. Two jumps on there, I heard him say, he talked about his heart, like, you know, my heart don't pity pat for nobody who rap. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, he letting y'all know he's serious out here. Then he got another one where he say, uh, my heart don't pump no Kool-Aid. You mm-hmm. jump out, you get two sprays. Mm-hmm. I yeah, said, that's on something playlistic. Yeah. I said, oh, yeah, Drake, <laughs> tell him three stacks. Yeah. But so, yeah, I said, yeah, he let him know the ATL for real. Yeah. But that was like, but he was just so, uh, his flow was just so beastly on this joint yeah and then when you got to at aliens it kind of like started turning into the dre that we know now kind of like it evolved they both evolved evolved i think and a lot of people a lot of people sleep on big boy as artists they really do they slept on him like as he got bigger and I guess he, like you say, he evolved. He became more of a lyricist. Yeah, I, I think they both evolved, and I mm-hmm. think that, um, I think that they both evolved, and um, I think they they changed. But through this, this was a good start for both of them, and I think they com- even back then they complemented each other well. Big Boy and Andre did. You had two <laughs> d- very distinct styles between the two of them. You know, you had two very distinct styles. I would have to say, as far as 
you know, a lot of quotable lyrics. Um, if I could talk a little bit about very, very shortly about the the musicians, of course, that they've worked with there, and of course, the people that contributed on the album. Goody Mob mm. has been on there, and I remember Big Gip saying there is an Outkast album that's been out that he hasn't been on, and it sort of speaks to sort of like the way that 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 sort of hasn't changed in time. That you know, as people gr- as people go on. And as, as careers advance, that you know, you have certain people that you always put on in your albums, and eventually y'all sort of grow apart and you do your own thing. But it seems like you know those those two groups sort of been joined at the hip, Goody Mob, Outkast for the longest while, and I think that's the gr- that's the good thing about it. They sort of started at the bottom, and as they progressed, they kept working with each other as they kept going. You know, and along like along the way, bringing other people in, like um, it's a Cool Breeze, Slim Cutter, Calhoun, yes. like um, exactly Cool uh, Breeze, and yes. then Killer Mike. Killer Mike and yeah. even like Sleepy Brown kind of like breaking out doing his own thing as a solo artist too, which mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people appreciate. So Cam, yeah, yep. Cam, the other Cam, not the Cameron, <laughs> Killer <laughs> Cam from um from uh from New York, Cam of Atlanta, Mister mm-hmm. Pink, yeah. <laughs> so um, no, nah, definitely, and, and so to me the the another standout here is the production by Organized Noise, the the three of them as a collective working together, and then also working with the musicians here to be able to create these beats that literally like you said sounded like samples but they weren't yeah. these were all live most of these were live these were live instruments that were being infused into the production by some great musicians and that's what really kind of made this thing sort of work we've been through this now we've talked about how great this album is guys how uh, the legacy to me i think like i said it's the most important album in southern hip-hop history uh, every one of us has seen the documentary to see how how this changed everything to me, the thing that sticks out to me about this album more than anything else is when uh, Didi, who was actually um, Peaches on this album, who was on the intro, that gave that we got that Southern Pass, the Cadillac music for your trunk. And um, that was actually Ray, Ray Murray's ex-wife as well. Mm-hmm. And she was also their manager. And she said that when they had the final playback after they had finally mixed the album down and mastered it and played it in the B room and, and Boss Town Studios, and that when they played it back for the very first time, that nobody actually could say anything for about a minute after they finished the entire playback the way it was sequenced because it, they had listened to something that was that great. She said when it was done, nobody could speak. Nobody could say a word, just complete silence. And the album dropped and it went platinum. And then after that, everything changed, like Rico said. Outcast became a big hit. Um, organized noise, na- organized organized noise, noise became, became huge, and they became in demand yeah. by so many different other people after that. Well deserved, and yes. it and it led to <clears throat> everybody else in the Dungeon Family putting out projects, starting with Goody Mob, Goody Mob. Yes, who sir. dropped the who dropped a classic album the next year with their debut in Soul Food, um, and then the South was really on its way. So, so now we're at the end. I don't really have to say this, man. We all crossed the line. This is a certified classic, yep. y'all. This Bonified. time hasn't changed yep. that. Bonified, no. whatever. Like Damo said last, <laughs> last <laughs> said during one of our early episodes, certified. So this certified, is where I want to sort of get what, where I want to get into the debate. Oh. Looking at Outcast catalog historically, how does this stack up with the rest of their catalog? I mean, uh, and to me, I'll think I'll use a pre-qualifier because to uh, I, I want to leave Idlewild and I want to leave the speaker box and Love Below out of it because to me, as we had the conversation beforehand, Idlewild is based off of music from a, from a movie mm-hmm. that they made. Right. Speaker box Love Below to me is a big boy and a Dre album. It's not an outcast album, if that makes any sense to anybody listening. It's a collective. Double it's a collective. So, so if we're going to talk about from this album to Stanconia, how did it stack up to you? 
as far as in order. Mm. And I'm going to blow your mind in a second after we're done because I'm going to drop something else on you, too. That's going to be a tough one. And I'll, and I'll start with Dave. Oh, man, you had to come to me first. Bro. So your faces you was making, so you had to come it, to it's me. Ha- it's hard because it's like you've got Southern Playlist, you've got AT Aliens, you've got uh, Equimini, you've got Stank On Me. I personally love Stank On Me. That would actually be my number one. Mm. Uh, I will put Equimini, then uh, Southern Playlistic, and then AT Aliens. Mm. Inter- I've never heard anybody put it in that order before, but that's interesting. That's though. because Stankonia, all 24 tracks I bang with. Uh, that was also a track that, you know, So Fresh, So Clean. I woke up to So Fresh, So Clean the day I graduated. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That that album, you know, that album to me is timeless. Yeah. Equimini, classic, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just like, I think Stankonia is just a tad over equipment but third place ain't too bad for outcast though as far as i'm concerned that's just you know how i feel about it so jay would say you actually i think my order may not be too much different for real but like for me i gotta put i gotta put equipment out first i mean because the production over there was just so flawless and i'll be real I'm, I'm, i remember back in like 98 when it first dropped i was being a little bit of a hard ass on equipment like not thinking because that that was one of the I think that was the only one that got like five mics in the source if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. It was, yeah. yeah. So I was like, man, I don't know if it was a five mic drink. But like, I'm, like that wasn't my opinion out the gate, but then I actually listened to it through and through. I'm like, okay, yeah, y'all earned this spot. So and just like all the bangers off of there, and even like you remember that track on there, Mama Cesar? Yeah, that was mm-hmm. a banger. Yeah, Jay, you know, I forgot what the chick's name was, but like just out of out of oh. Jersey. Um, I think her name is Mahogany, if I'm not mistaken. Mahogany, that's yeah, it. So, yeah, that's her name. Yeah, so like her flow on that joint, and it just showed like how they were so versatile, even like East Coast artists, and they're just, they're just not like that was a cool track, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like even and shoot three stacks verse in there, like you know what I'm saying, like grab a by a neck, yeah. throw her on, on the, the wall. wall, say bitch don't never disrespect me, never, never not, not at all, all. like. <laughs> And even like the little sample thing, they, like at the end, like before, before the hook came in, they hey nah ha ha, whatever that was, <laughs> like that changed. It just sliced it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would say Equimini, then then Stankonia, then Southern Playlistic, then AC Alien. So like I said, my list isn't too much different. Pretty much, it's like flip, we just flipped the top two. So yeah, okay, we're mad to ask this on Facebook. So um, Damo, what say you as far as where, the, where this album Southern Playlistic stands in their catalog? I'm gonna go second. Second. I'm gonna go okay. Me first. Cause I love that joke. Mm-hmm. And that's fire. Mm-hmm. I love that one second because I just vibe. It's just a, it's a vibe. The, the, whole, the whole album to me is a vibe. Not even just funky ride. The whole funky ride gives yeah. us the extreme vibe. Right. But the whole joke is a vibe before vibe was a word. But now being old, it's a vibe. Mm-hmm. And then I go Stanconia, and then I go ATL. My answer is, if you ask me, my order depends on the day. I think, for me, Equimini is probably my number one for them. Two through f- two through four, though, it's going to depend on what day I'm listening to it and what day what day comes around. I think I'll, once, I'll return to the gangster. On, on, yeah, and on, on some days, I could listen to AT Aliens, and that could be my second second favorite. I could listen to this, and right now, I could say this is my second favorite. But then I would think about Stanconia, where I was at that point in time, Leaving high school, going into college, and listening to listening to Stankonia, uh, that could be my second favorite as well. 
So to me, I think it, if I had to give you an answer now, I would have to say probably, probably third or fourth. I think it's you can flip flop AT aliens that any one of, but not to say that AT aliens is the worst because the worst on their catalog is the best and uh, is the best out of some. And so here's where I said I will blow your minds later when we talked about this before the show. So we all talked about where this stands in their catalog. To me, I say this is the start. This Southern Playistics is the start of a very good catalog that I think in hip hop is only rival by one other group in hip hop, and that's a tribe called Quest. I don't think there is any other two groups in hip hop that have catalog quality from top to bottom than these two groups, and that's Outkast and the Tribe Called Quest. I can dig that. About, but you could think about both groups, okay? From your first albums to the last albums they've put out. I don't think there are any two groups. Now, people will be like, oh, you leave a Wu-Tang out there. You were like, all right, first of all, let's <laughs> simmer down. I love the Wu. Let's, unpack, the, let's unpack this. <laughs> yeah, I love the Wu. 36, classic, no doubt. That's it. Forever is a very good album. Not a classic. And then we get into some of the other Wu albums like Iron Flag and My other ones. I mean, so it's like, you know, I think people, I think, I think people, I think, I think people start to start to take Wu and put them on a pedestal because of the individual work that they've done as artists. Mm -hmm. And but when it comes to what they've done as a as a group. When you take Outkast catalog and a Tribe Called Quest catalog and stack them up against each other. Now, that's a debate we could probably have for a bonus podcast stacking up. Outcast catalog versus Tribes catalog and figuring out who wins the tail of the tape. Yeah, I think Outcast got that. But do they though? Because I think it's a little bit more of a conversation than you all think. Well, I mean, I remember like Love when we came out, people kind of like giving that mixed reviews. I didn't. No, absolutely. I think. I mean, I think people be like a little bit hard on them than what they should have been. But I mean, like it wasn't. I wouldn't put up there with like Midnight Marauders at all. No. Nah, I, I agree. So if we talk about Tribe's first three albums, at least the front one, we even even say the first four albums, and you talk about the quality, especially the 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 first three, the debut album, because the title's too long for me to say right now. <laughs> oh shit! I can't Lower end theory. Lower end theory. And Midnight Marauders. I mean, you can't get much a much better start to a qu- to a catalog than that. So maybe we can do that. Maybe we can do a bonus catalog and we can do that for the for the premium subscribers if we get them one day. And we can do a bonus one of putting in <laughs> Put the tail in. of the tape. Put Put in. In. Put out, out, outcast catalog versus a tribe cost quest catalog. And I'd love to be able to have that happen. I'd love to be able to have that debate. And we may just go ahead and throw that out there on uh, social media for you guys to debate as well. Because I'd love to be able to hear just this question about out, outcast catalog as far as where this stands in terms of their catalog, Southern Playistic, in regards to their other I just, three I just share, major I just, releases. I just put that up. I just put that up. Dave's on it, as always. Yeah, got you. So, gentlemen, this has been a, a pleasure. Southern Outcast, Southern Playistic, their deb- debut album. Go out and listen to it again. Stream it wherever you can listen to it again. Yeah. It is a treasure to be treasured. So that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you check us out on our host, Podbean, on vaultcmr.podbean.com. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault CMR on Spotify and also Apple Podcasts. We appreciate all the support. And if you have a friend, make sure you tell a friend and tell that friend to tell a friend. As always, remember <laughs> as, <laughs> as always, remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. 
Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined to stay or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we stay peace. Peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at I-V-E-C-R-E-8. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.